Ever need something for your home but don't have the cash or credit to pay for it? You can do that at Aaron's. Yep, you can rent to own appliances like washers, dryers, refrigerators, furniture for your living room or bedroom, even tech. Plus, Aaron's has great brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. Life's always changing. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. So check out your nearest Aaron's store or visit Aaron's.com to see what I'm talking about. Approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply. See your local store for details. I just got a pair of barefoot shoes boots. They're different, man. They're they're wide and they're flat-soled, made of really high-quality leather, and it is a unique feel on the foot. I like them. They're unique because they give you the ability to feel the ground as you're out in the field, as most hunting boots have a thicker outsole, which disconnects you from the terrain. Use code BEAR at barefoot.store to receive 10% off your purchase. That's BEAR, B-E-A-R, foot.store, and use code BEAR. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Correlation does not equal causation. Mm. So just because you can out-hoot a turkey call does not mean that that causes you to be a good hunter. If you go out with a guy turkey hunting and he rears back and owl hoots with his mouth or crow calls with his mouth, what does that tell you about that guy? He's, he's authentic. He's a real yeah. hunter, right? He's a real deal. On this episode of the Bear Grease podcast, we're going to explore a communication technique as old as mankind using the voice to mimic animal sounds. I'm trying to understand why humans do this, how it's advantageous for hunting, and how natural voice calling has embedded itself into our culture. We're going to talk to the first person I ever heard owl hoot with their mouth, a PhD who's an expert on understanding correlations, an expert on the human voice, and we're going to have a conversation with the world's most decorated natural voice turkey caller, who's called turkeys on the David Letterman Show and the Tonight Show. Going to be a fun ride. You are a very effective owl hooter. From a competitive standpoint, get off stage. My name is Clay Newcomb, and this is the Bear Grease Podcast, where we'll explore things forgotten but relevant. Search for insight in unlikely places and where we'll tell the story of Americans who live their lives close to the land. Mimicking animal sounds to communicate with the natural world is as old as the hunt, and hunting is as old as mankind. Part of human uniqueness as compared to other animals is our ability to use our brains to conjure extremely varied strategies to acquire food. A 
small part of the equation is our ability to mimic animal sound. And there are many reasons why we do this. Humans mimic owls, turkeys, crows, squirrels, quail, white-tailed deer, coyotes, and even hawks. These sounds are used in multiple applications. One would be to communicate with other humans in incognito ways so that other animals aren't alerted to human presence. You know, like a human making some type of bird call to let his partner know that he's made it to a certain location. Secondly, human hunters mimic the sounds made by the animals they're hunting in hopes of drawing them into striking distance. These are typically sexually based calls or territorial calls. Elk and turkey would be great examples of this. Thirdly, there are relationships between animals of different species that evoke predictable responses when the call of the other is made. The best example of this would be shock gobbling a turkey. This is when a breeding crazed male turkey will gobble at just about any loud sound in the woods, including owls, woodpeckers, and crows, even though his breeding has nothing to do with those animals. Another example of this would be the calm feeding sounds of one species could indicate to other animals of a different species that everything in that section of the woods is okay. Basically, it'd be like saying there are no predators over here because I'm calm and relaxed. A good example of this would be like a hen turkey making content feeding calls that would calm an approaching deer. I'll never forget the first time I heard someone hoot like a barred owl. You're about to meet my friend Josh Lunsford. Josh is a lanky cowboy type with a firm handshake and a strong eye gate. But he's a corporate executive in the communication business, and he's a veteran turkey hunter and woodsman. It may sound funny, but the first time I heard Josh owl hoot with his mouth, it impacted me. I didn't know people could do that, and I never forgot it. So, Josh, me and you, we're, we, we grew up together. That's right. But I, the first time we ever went hunting together was when I was in college. And I remember telling one of our mutual friends, I was like, man, I'm going turkey hunting in the morning. And he said, well, I can't go, but Josh is going. And so I called you and we said, hey, well, let's go together. And so we went to a place that both of us knew, some public land. We walked, I, 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 presumably we rode together in a truck. This was 20 years ago. So we, we get out, we walk back in there before daylight. It was a place with a lot of birds at the time. I'd only turkey hunted with my dad my whole life, never hunted with another turkey hunter. Mm-hmm. And I remember it got just about daylight. I mean, just, you know, the birds started chirping and, uh, you didn't say anything to me. You, we were knelt down on the ground, and you stood up and just, oh, you, know, you let out a big owl hoot. And I remember being so impressed. I was just like, holy moly. I'd never heard anybody owl hoot with their mouth. And you didn't think anything of it. You owl hoot, and a turkey gobbled way over on the ridge. And we chased them around. We never killed one that day. So right. I, I want to hear your owl hoot to see if I remember it like I remember it that day. Absolutely, Clay. So, um, and you know, and just in just one note, right? Mutual friends. I had learned it from them. So you you hunted with uh, with our friends Scott and Andy. That's right. Did they ever formally teach you, no. or did they? Just, they were just like 
you know, it's one of those things where you're hunting with people and you witness them doing something and you want to get better at it and you want to use it the way they did. You know, I grew up using it to find someone in the woods, not actually use it as a location call. Mm. And so that was how I learned to use it as a locator call and how it could be so instrumental into making you more successful turkey hunting, right? Um, yeah, I'll absolutely do it for you. Um, you can probably do it as good as I can these days. Um, but sounds just like i remember it that's good <laughs> if you go out with a guy turkey hunting and he rears back and owl hoots with his mouth or crow calls with his mouth what does that tell you about that guy he's taking the time to invest in being better at the sport right he's yeah. not he's not just just purchased his way into the sport by buying all the gadgets yeah. Right. He's, he's authentic. He's a, he's a real, um, he's a real yeah. hunter, right. He's a real deal, you know? And, and, and what I'll tell you is, yeah, has it made me more successful in a lot of different ways, Clay? And the simple fact that I don't have to carry as much stuff. Yep. I don't, I don't own an owl hoot. Yep. I don't own a crow call. I, I don't own a box call. I own a yep. couple, I own a couple diaphragm calls and a slate call. Let me ask you this. Do you ever owl hoot not in a turkey situation? Would anything happen in this living room where Josh Lunsford would owl hoot? Uh, yeah, when the hogs win. <laughs> That's it. That's it. He's talking about the Arkansas Razorbacks. I'm sure you've heard of them. As intriguing as the social communication mechanisms of the natural world are, I may be even more interested in something quite strange that I've taken note of in Southern culture. And maybe it's other places. I can't say for sure. But it's this. There's a lot of street cred and social status that comes with being a hunter that can make good natural voice calls. Why? People that can mimic the hoot of a barred owl are usually good woodsmen. Let me take it a step further. They're usually good turkey hunters. To a hunter, this may seem like a no-brainer, but if you think about it, it's kind of strange. You see, a barred owl is a nocturnal avian predator usually not weighing more than five pounds. It makes its living off of small rodents. A wild turkey is a large bird weighing up to 30 pounds that spends the majority of its life walking around eating insects, nuts, and green brows off the ground. The only things these animals have in common is they got a pair of wings and they roughly inhabit the same geographic areas. But I will suggest that if you were looking for a surefire and quick way to find a good turkey hunter, you could start by asking to hear their owl hoot. Hmm. However, the water gets really muddy right here and even more complex because this is a dynamic correlation that I'm suggesting because it is possible to be a good turkey hunter and not be able to owl hoot. Wait a minute. I'm getting confused. You know what we need? We need somebody that knows about correlations to explain what this means. Dr. Malachi Nichols is an economist, and he's the director of evaluation and data quality for an education-focused nonprofit. Maybe he can help us sort this out. Dr. Nichols, I am trying to understand correlations. Mm-hmm. Because it's very clear to me that I make correlations all the time. Right. I don't fully understand the mechanisms of them. 
but I find them to be like really predictable. Right. So help me understand the the connection that I very clearly see between people that can owl hoot very well with their mouth and their ability to be good woodsmen. Yeah. What what's the connection that I'm seeing there? Yeah. You know, I, I would I would take it one step back and say as a researcher, like this is a social science question, mm. right? It's just the study of human behavior. The statistical tool that we use is, is correlations. And, si- and simply put, a correlation is just quantifying the strength and the direction of a relationship between two things. So if A moves, how does B move? So if there are weak correlations mm-hmm. and strong correlations, mm-hmm. how do I tell the difference? And is there a is there a terminology that would describe a correlation that, that isn't a legit correlation? Yeah. And when I think of one that isn't, I'm thinking about spurious correlations. Mm. And spurious correlations are, are correlations that appear statistically to be related, but if you look at the context, there's no relation. No relation. No. What's, an exa- what's a good example of a spurious co- correlation? Yeah, so I'm, looking, I'm thinking about data in the 80s and 90s of an increased use of people wearing seatbelts was associated or related to a decrease in astronauts dying in space, right? <laughs> so statistically, it was a true statement, right? Yeah. but really there was no connection yeah. between the two no things. No connection at all. That's the power and also the, the hardship of statistics and data. So in my situation right. where I'm seeing a correlation between a person's ability to outhoot or mimic natural sounds and then they're jumping to their general overall ability to be an effective hunter... I see this strong correlation, okay? Mm -hmm. But inside this same situation, you don't have to be an owl hooter to be a good hunter. What it, what does that mean? Like if if it's there's for sure a correlation, yeah. but it doesn't always have to be yeah. there. Yeah. And and what you're describing is that it's a something that we say in in our world is that correlation does not equal causation. Mm. So just because you can owl hoot a turkey call does not mean that that causes you to be a good hunter. It doesn't, it's not caused. It's just, it happens to have a relationship. Right. And so therefore you have outliers. Therefore you have people who are good hunters that can't turkey call or can't out hoot. And it just says, this is a correlation. There's a relationship, but there's other factors that cause you to be a good hunter. Do we use correlations constantly and don't even realize it? Oh yeah. It's association. It's, it's, again, going back to the aspect, this is a social science question, right? The study of human behavior. And so we're always, as human beings, trying to make connections. You know, it, it's really like a shortcut. Yeah, yeah. Like, if I hear you, Al Hoot, you don't have to tell me your story. Yeah. I know a lot of uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. So it's like a, it's like a social yeah. shortcut. Yeah. If there were, uh, I want you to guess for me. So if I had 10 people lined up in a line and I went through the line in a blind test and had them owl hoot, and then I made judgments on their experience in hunting, mm-hmm. do you have any predictions on how often I would be right? Probably 50% of the time. Do you think 50%? <laughs> yeah, 50%. I think 80%, Dr. <laughs> Malachi Nichols. Okay, last thing here. Do you do you know the, the, the cadence of a barred owl hoot? I have no idea. Okay, I'm gonna do it for okay, you. Yeah, yeah. And then I wanna hear you I wanna okay. hear your barred yeah. owl hoot. Okay. okay. So this is the hoot of a barred owl. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, here we go. Okay, here so we it's go. a it's a who cooks for you, who cooks for you all. <laughs> <laughs> you 
may not be an experienced hunter, but you're headed that direction. Yeah, you I'm can in, get there. I'm in the right direction. Now that we've got all that sorted out, I want to introduce you to some of the voices in my world that all fit the correlation that I've so strongly identified. I don't ever remember not knowing Steve Phillips. He's a good friend of my dad's and family's, and he's always had an incredible knack for using his voice to mimic animal sounds. The guy is simply gifted. And wouldn't you know it, he's a heck of a woodsman too. When did you start mouth calling, just using your natural voice? I started mouth calling using my natural voice probably about 76 or 77. I didn't start turkey hunting until the late 80s. Right. But Kathy and I lived out across the street from a guy that was like old McDonald's farm. I mean, he had every kind of animal. And he even had wild turkey. He had one gobbler, and he had like four hens. And so I'd sit out on the lawn chair out on the front yard, and I'd listen to them hens, and I would listen to them, and he'd gobble and listen to them. So mm. I started practicing mimicking those hens and the calls that they would make to make him gobble. Just with your mouth? Just with my Just mouth. Just messing around? Yeah, never put a diaphragm, any kind of slate call, didn't know what they were, didn't yeah. turkey hunt. So I just started messing around. And so I got to where I could walk out on the front yard any morning and call, and he'd gobble. Then in about the late 80s, I got asked by a guy, he asked me if I wanted to go turkey hunting. And I said, well, you know, I don't know. How is turkey hunting? What do you do? And he said, well, you need to get a diaphragm call. And I said, well, I'll go. I can call him with my mouth. And he assured me I probably couldn't. So he took before daylight and he turned me out. And, and uh, he said that he knew there were some turkeys in there. And he actually told me what I needed to do. You know, he said, pull in on top of the mountain, listen till you hear one, and try to get as close to it as you can, and, and then make your call. I said, okay. So we went, got on the mountain, heard the turkey gobble. I got in what I thought was rather close, made my mouth call. He answered me. I just sit there a little bit, and before I knew it, he gobbled right below me. I called him again, and here he came in. I shot him and killed him, went back to the truck within probably an hour and a half. And I thought, you know, there's nothing to this turkey hunt. Little did I know there was a lot to turkey hunting. Andy Brown, who's a good friend mm-hmm. of yours, he taught me everything I know about turkey hunting. He taught me, you know, what to do, when to do. And so I took it to the next level. I practiced all the time learning how to call. L- let's hear your calls. Yeah, I usually use two different locator calls. Uh, early morning is the owl call. We'll, we'll do an owl call when I first get out right, right before daylight, you know, while it's still dark. I'll usually get out and I'll... And then you can also sometimes during, if you get two or three owls, I know you've heard two or three owls come in. Yeah. That really gets a turkey really fired up. You can, and that will get them really get them fired laughing. Up. Get them laughing. And then later on, you know, in the morning or something during the day, I use a crow call. And so I learned how to make do a crow call with just mm. my mouth, not a crow call. Ah, 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 
It's this crow's lit in the tree about 50 shotgun range from yeah. us if you got a turkey choke on. Yeah. <laughs> I wish you'd call. All right, let me hear your, your turkey call. Okay. As you well know, you know, your your regular yelp call, that's what I use the most. But when a turkey gets in close, you know, what do you usually hear when turkeys get in if hens are in? They're not calling real loud. They're doing more of a purring and just yeah. a talking. And I will hit him with a... And then I'll slow down a little bit when they get in closer and all this. That sounds really good. Sounds really good. Most people can't call that good with a diaphragm. Okay, here's here's my question for you. Do you see a correlation between people that can natural voice call and people that are really good woodsmen? Yes, I do. Let me tell you this. I think there's two kind of turkey hunters. There's a caller, and then there's a turkey killer. And I consider myself a turkey killer. I'm not the best caller in the woods. You've got guys that go to these contests, and, I mean, they're really good. I think, personally, that the call is about maybe 15%, but I think the setup and location and how you set up on a turkey determines whether you're going to kill that turkey or not. To me... I've always said that somebody that can call with their voice has a lot of street cred in my book. So uh, you got some street cred, man. Show me, show me your squirrel bark. <laughs> That's good. Try to call those crows in. I heard him call a while ago. That's awesome. Do you ever use a owl hoot or anything for something other than a functional turkey locator? We as hunters, <laughs> as a group of hunters, as you know, uh, you know, we, we do use an owl hoot. I can actually pick out like Andy and Wayne and Scott, you know, your different tones. I can tell when they're hooting. They can tell when I owl hoot. Yeah. You know, they, they learn that sound. So if we're ready to get down out of the woods or ready to leave, yeah. or if we kill something, we'll owl hoot. Do you, do you ever do it when you're not hunting? Do you, no, like do, like, like um, something good happens at the yeah, house and you're like, woo Oh, yeah. I, yeah, we, we get out and you, we'll owl hoot out at the house when something's going So what, what does it mean when Steve Phillips owl hoots not in the woods? Like, what, what's, give me an example of something that's happened. Why would you owl hoot? Usually, usually if something good, you know, has happened, I might be out in the backyard and, and uh, one of the kids have done something, I'll, sometimes I'll throw an owl hoot at him. You know, they think I'm crazy. So it's a, it's a celebratory. <laughs> it's a celebratory thing. There you go. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. At O'Reilly Auto Parts, they offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. Man, I'm always swinging through my uh, local O'Reilly Auto Parts to get stuff ranging from car parts and accessories to boat batteries. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. 
And if you're a do-it-yourselfer and need a specialty tool to finish the job, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and ask about their loaner tool program. Simply pay a refundable deposit and borrow the right tool, then get your deposit back when it's returned. That way you don't have to go buy some you know, super expensive thing that you need like once every five years. Just borrow it and get your refund back. Need your windshield wipers replaced, brake light fixed, or quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. Sport Dog is the most recognized brand in the hunting dog training industry. Born in 2003 in Knoxville, Tennessee, Sport Dog was forged by a passionate group of hunters and dog trainers who intimately understood the challenges of the field and the special connection between hunters and their dogs. The people at Sport Dog know that having a well-trained hunting dog is more than just having a reliable partner. It's a commitment to their safety and unlocking their full potential. The Sport Dog promise to customers is simple. Gear the way you design it. Every product Sport Dog builds is meticulously designed and rigorously tested in the field, ensuring it withstands the toughest conditions you and your dog may encounter. Trust Sport Dog, where innovation meets passion, to elevate your hunting experience and strengthen the bond with your local companion. Using tracking equipment on my squirrel and coon dogs is extremely important to me to track my squirrel dogs and my one old coon dog that's not very good. Get 20% off your first purchase using the code BEARGREASE. Go to www.sportdog.com slash BEARGREASE to learn more. What's the healthiest thing that you can do for your pet? Feed them what they were born to eat with Darwin's fresh raw food for dogs and cats. Darwin's customized meal plans support their ancestral diet with high protein, moderate fat, and low carbs. From shinier coats and softer fur to improve digestion and gut health, the health benefits are easy to see. Plus, there are no fillers, grains, or natural additives. Just farm-fresh, raw ingredients like USDA meats and organic vegetables delivered straight to your door from the freshest raw meals possible. With over 20 years of experience, choose Darwin's to see your pet thrive longer. Go to darwinspet.com and try 10 pounds for $14.95. That's darwinspet.com. It was zero surprise to me when I learned that Mo Shepard had a good owl and crow call. The guy is a turkey hunter's turkey hunter. He's been successful year after year on some tough public ground, and a spring hasn't passed in the last 45 years when he hadn't brought home a spring gobbler. He's got a unique technique for prepping his voice to make the hoot of a barred owl. Meet Mo Shepard. So you, I know you owl hoot because I've heard you do it before, but you also crow call with your voice. Yes, I do. I do. I do it a lot with my voice because it's so handy and easy and you don't have to move or anything. You know, I can be sitting there so totally still. And if a turkey hadn't gobbled in a while that I'm working or something other, I can just call with my voice and, you know, make a... Did anybody teach you or did you just no, learn how to do it? I just learned to do it on my own. Like I said, when I was a kid, I heard all those sounds out in the woods and stuff, but I didn't really try. I tried, but it didn't make much 
success at it. I didn't really learn to owl hoot till I was. I'd probably turkey hunted. Did you hear somebody owl hoot? Yes, I, I had a brother in law that that owl hooted. He's the one that got me into turkey hunting. Mm. And uh, he was good at owl hooting. Okay, hey, walk good me boy, through. Good voice callers are usually pretty good woodsmen and pretty good hunters. So. Yeah. Okay, walk me through your owl hooting process because I know you you kind of have something you do. Like I said, I tried it for years when I was younger, and then one day I I'd say, seen somebody kind of doing this that I was hunting with, and the best I can remember, he said, you know, he said you gotta get your throat right. To make the noise come out right he said if you don't it just blurts out so i, I kind of swallow some air if that makes any sense i swallow air for three or four gulps before i start my owl hoot and it gets the right tone in there well let's hear it and like i said i'll you'll probably hear this you should be able to hear a little bit of this of me swallowing the air like i said i talk uh-huh. about I don't know what it's called, but you know, crows make a lot of different sounds and lots of different series. Series, of and and you know, sometimes turkeys gobble it a long series. Sometimes they gobble it short calls. You know, just a short blast and stuff. So you know, it's just whatever mode I'm in or what mood I'm in, what I blast out when I do it. But I can do several different cadences of it. So. Old Ryan Greb is an all-around woodsman. From bears to turkeys to catching spring crappie, he's an expert. I've actually never turkey hunted with Ryan, but I knew he had a good owl hoot before I ever heard it. Our ability to make accurate predictions based on correlations is stunning, and it streamlines our ability to make judgments. I want you to meet old Ryan Flintface Greb. He rarely smiles for pictures, so I call him Flint Face. So where did you learn to use your natural voice to call with? Just growing up and probably hearing some uh, older guys in high school that I knew that were hunters, you know, and they had hunted a few more years than I actually had, and I heard them doing that. What did you hear them do, owl hoot? Owl hoots, you know, turkey yelping, uh, crow calling, you know, stuff like that. You just kind of started doing it on your own? There was times I would, you know, when I was younger, I'd sit outside and just at night by myself in the driveway while the family was inside, you know, and I just tried to practice. Let me me hear your, uh, what you'd use on a good spring morning to get a turkey to gobble. I'm not very good at Oh, no, come on. No, yeah, I'm not. Know. I'm really not uh, better at crow than I am. Well, I want to hear your owl and your crow. That's good. Crow? Crow. That sounds good, man. <laughs> so, do you... Uh, do you ever use a barred owl call for anything other than hunting? Like, like, for instance, would there ever be a reason that you would barred owl call in your house? Uh, maybe to aggravate the wife sometimes. Or uh, do you do you ever owl hoot when you're excited about something? 
as a celebratory. Uh, yeah, out of time. What? Okay. What would what would have to happen in Ryan Grebb's life for him to owl hoot not at a turkey gobble? Like, give me an example. Oh, catch a three pound crappie. Benjamin Moore is a New York-based voice and speech teacher where he coaches Broadway, film, and TV actors, as well as diplomats, scientists, and economists at some highfalutin organizations like the United Nations. Benjamin works for the Linklater Center for Voice and Language and the City University of New York. I've got a feeling that he's got some insight into why humans are so good mimicking animal sounds. Benjamin, I am trying to understand why humans are so dynamic in our ability to mimic. The only animal that I can think of offhand that does this is a mockingbird. But are there other examples in the animal kingdom of animals that can mimic other sounds? There are a lot, but as far as mimicking human speech goes, the only other animals that really do that uh, consistently, there have been some like strange things about seals and even an elephant one time that learned how to say a few words. But mm. but in the animal kingdom, it's birds, it's parrots, parakeets. Mm. Probably the the king of, of imitating our speech are parakeets. They can learn as many as 400 words. Let me ask you this, Benjamin. If we're so unique in our ability to mimic other animals, what is it from a anatomy and physiology perspective that allows a human to make so much variation in our voice? Um, our larynx and respiratory system is much more sophisticated than any of the other species going. We have a, a big range. Most of us in our daily conversation have a couple of octaves of range. With a little bit of training, every one of us can have something more than, than four octaves. So we have this big range from low in the voice to high in the voice. And then on top of that, up above your vocal cords, that tube that comes up from the vocal folds called the pharynx. It mm. goes up, goes up behind the mouth, goes up through the nose. Uh, there's That obviously comes out through the mouth where there's the tongue, the jaw, and the lips. That whole tube has muscles there that not only are good for swallowing food, but also adjust the shape of the vibrations as they come up and out. All of that has this incredible flexibility we learn it just like the parrots do and the mockingbirds do. We learn most of our sounds through imitation. In all the languages of the world, there's something more than 2,000 sounds that human beings are able to produce. Hmm. And every one of us that is normally functioning when we're born can hear and distinguish all those different sounds. Over a period of time, we begin to lose it because it's not useful, and the brain begins to streamline itself for what is a useful communication and what's not. I have one final question for you. I know all these people that are incredible natural voice callers. Why are they so good at this and other people are not? Yeah. With the understanding that all of us are born a little bit different, some vocal cords are longer than others, and the shape of the mouth and stuff is always going to be different. The real difference is their interest, their passion in the subject. 
Mm. Um, almost everybody can develop a huge range in different ways of speaking. We're just really flexible that way as a species. And we do know that human beings who want to be an expert in something, whether it's a professional athlete or an artist or a, a mechanic, what their passion is, and they say it takes about 10,000 hours to become an expert at something, what their passion is really drives them in a couple of different ways. One is that that emotional framework allows us to marry our intellect with our physical skill sets so that the skill sets just aren't something that the body's doing. There's a real understanding that comes. But also with that passion comes an ability to perceive and really focus in on the details of a situation. Like for these natural callers, they are hearing that turkey in a way that even when I would go out and try to hunt, I was like, I never, I know for sure I'm not hearing a turkey the way Preston is, for instance. And mm. how attuned he is with his ears is like a symphony conductor. So, Benjamin, are you familiar with the hoot of a barred owl? I, I am. Okay. I'm going to hoot like a barred owl, okay? I want you to tell me what I could do better if you can just in one hoot. Here, Here's my owl hoot. I'm going to step back just a little bit. Away, All right. Okay? Give it a go. Oh. That's my owl hoot. Wow, that's great. Once you go up into that high part, ooh, oh. the tongue is going to want to come up, but you're going to want to try to leave that down so that it's more resonant coming up through mm. through the front part of your face. So try to t- keep my tongue down. I so see what you're going to keep it. So ooh. the back, ooh. that's ooh. closer. Ooh. 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 Yeah. Hey, yeah. Man, I, I, how about I, that? I, I pushed my tongue down. I'm, I have to say, I'm impressed, Clay. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that today. It's great. Preston Pittman isn't normal. He's one of the best natural voice callers on the continent and certainly the most decorated. After meeting him, it's clear he must have been raised in a clutch of wild turkeys. Anthropomorphism is when we assign animals human-like traits. Zoomorphism is when we assign a human animal-like traits. Preston has been zoomorphized. Or maybe he's just a darn good Mississippi turkey hunter and woodsman. Preston became the Mississippi State turkey calling champion when he was 16 years old. Today, he's 67 years old. He won that first calling contest with his natural voice. Since that time, he's won the World Turkey Calling Contest, the World Natural Voice Turkey Calling Contest, the World Gobbling Turkey Calling Contest, and he was the world champion natural voice owl hooter. He is the only person to hold five different world titles. He was on the David Letterman Show three times and the Tonight Show with Jay Leno calling turkeys. But of more note than all these accolades, Preston is probably as good a turkey hunter as has ever drawn a breath of air. Here's a clip of Preston in his prime.
ain't gonna sell that call to you. It's not for sale for no amount of money. That's my natural voice. Hi, I'm Preston Pittman. I've been blessed that I've held the World Championship several times, the World Natural Voice Calling Championship. But I tell you what, there is nothing in this world that sounds as good as natural voice calling does. So Preston, tell me about when you first started using your natural voice for calling. Well, they, they, they pick on me a little bit, say uh, that when I was hatched on November the 28th of 1953, that when I popped out of my mama and the baby doctor grabbed me by my hind leg and spanked me on the rear end instead of crying, <laughs> is what come out of my mouth. But in all seriousness, being from a family that always hunted and always fished, I guess I couldn't help but hunt. And my dad was not a... Uh, turkey hunter mm. he was a big dog person uh, back whenever we had quail here in the south um and run deer with dogs and we did things together and they used to have an old timey day in a little town by the name of carthage mississippi and at that fourth of july which when it was celebration of uh, our great country they had a turkey calling contest a duck calling contest an axe uh, throwing contest and they had uh, the mississippi state uh, duck calling the mississippi state uh, championship in turkey calling mm. back when i was about 12 ish i met a gentleman by the name of jack dudley who at that point in time was uh, the mississippi state champion wild turkey caller and um, he was good enough just on that day to start working with me kind of told me what to do and how to stretch my vocal cords and i'll be dead gum at the end of the day i was i was making a somewhat of a turkey sound Mm-hmm. And uh, kind of the rest of the story is I had won the fishing rodeo for kids, mm. and I was a year too old. <laughs> so I had already been awarded the plaque, and uh, I had to get the plaque back. And that was okay. I understood. But I just kind of made myself a vow. I said, one day, I'm going to come back and win me a trophy up here. You mm. know, between something, I'm going to be able to do it. But uh, Mr. Dudley would go to some of the sportsman's clubs and do little short seminars. He had a 45 RPM record that I memorized, you know, word for word. And it was on turkey calling. It was on turkey calling. Really? Are there any, any of those left today that you know of? I know what is one I'm at. In your house? Uh-huh. <laughs> and it ain't for sale. <laughs> uh, and at one point in time, I could literally quote it. My hello, my name is Jack Dudley, and I'm going to teach you how to turkey call. The first call that I'm going to teach you is going to be a mating call, and this is the way you do a mating call. <laughs> you know, three yips and two clucks. But kind of making a long story short, at 16 years old, I went back to that same contest, and I won, and we didn't have youth divisions back then. You know, it was a calling contest, and very few of those. And I won the Mississippi State Championship turkey collar mm. and from there it just went on and on and on and on and on preston act like i've never turkey hunted and give me a good look into the vocalizations of the wild turkey and again this is all just with your natural voice okay well it's 67 years old i have stretched my my larynx my vocal cords so much till it's like a rubber band that you laid up on the dashboard of your truck yeah uh i can barely yep a little bit cluck a little bit purr a little bit and sometimes gobble yeah so the quality is not there too many people especially 
I'm just going to say it, since podcast and Facebook and YouTube and all that junk, they want to learn how to kiki, run, cackle, slide down, excited hand yips, cutting, yada, 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 yada. No, no. As a beginner, you need to learn one sound and one sound only until you can do it exactly the way that you want to do it every time, and that is the basic hand yip. I will use a human analogy with you. I can take one word and have three very total different meanings. I can go, hey, or I can go, hey, or I can go, hey, and you can Mm. do that all basically with a yelp. Mm. So it's kind of like building a house, build that foundation solid, then start adding a call, then go back and do your foundation. It's calm, it's cool, it's collective, it's peaceful, it's tranquility. Come on in, big boy. I want to date you, okay? Mm-hmm. There can be. That's more of I'm reaching out. I want company. Where are you? Yeah. An assembly call. Spring or fall. Either way. Yeah. Or speeding it up, speeding the rhythm up, mm-hmm. or acting more excited. Day in, day out, especially on southern birds, then I don't want, unless I know the particular bird or I'm just trying to locate one, I will always revert back to softer, calmer calling. Let me ask you a question. So you you are a natural voice caller, and you're also you also do incredible diaphragm calls and all kind of other calls, but I'm interested in your natural voice stuff. How much of that was practice? How much of it was natural talent? I was gifted. Okay. Even Mr. Dudley looked at me. He said, son, he says, you're natural. He said, everybody can't do this crap. I'm inhaling there. I'm sucking in. Okay. Which gives you more rasp to where now. And it's not like what it used to be, but it's almost like me saying the word ow. Now get your tongue working. Describe what's happening in your mouth when you make that gobble. I'm sucking air in, and I'm mimicking the word. Then I get my tongue to flopping up and down, and I will use my cheeks. Watch my cheeks. See yeah, how yeah, I'm bringing it in? Are, cheeks are moving. Yeah, and I'm bringing my, 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 my mouth in to get that tail off of the gobble. But anybody and everybody can at least what I call squeak something out. Yeah. Like they can get a, because that's all I'm doing now. I yeah. mean, I've lost it, but. Ow, 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 ow. Yeah. I mean, you can hear the word ow in there. I'll take it out, but I'm over-exaggerating. Yeah. You can yeah. get a little something. And let me tell you this. Take a group of 100 turkey hunters anywhere in the United States. I bet you there aren't over two to five people that can do anything with their natural voice. It's something he has not heard. He is not used to it. A natural voice caller, as far as harvesting a bird, a natural voice caller and or either a trumpet or wing bone user. Mm. 
will kill some of those that you walk up to the limb and you hang his spurs up on there and he swings back and forth. So you do you fall. think natural voice calling gives you an advantage in hunting? There ain't no ifs and buts or doubts. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm basically, I use a little bit of everything now, but my, my go-to call is a diaphragm. That's first, okay? Yeah. But there's a lot of times I'm blowing a diaphragm and just to mix it in, I'm liable to throw my voice to make it sound like another hen coming in and add that little more realism into it. You you told me about adding realism to your calling set and how you Ooh. would used to bark like a squirrel oh, or yes. you would crow. Like so you're calling a turkey, so there's a gobbler that okay. you're hearing, you're hen yelping, but then you might bark like a squirrel. Let me tell you what I'm doing. Expecting, and I'm, I'm basically kind of kinning in on tough turkeys now, okay? Hard birds, mm. birds that's, that's call shy, birds that's been messed with. You know, birds are in that four and older year range bracket. But I heard everything, okay? Then they had the, ki- the kitchen sink thrown at them. Well, I'm fixing now to throw the kitchen sink, the commode, the bathtub, heck, the front door at him. I tried to paint a picture. And by that, for y'all turkey hunters out there, what happens whenever a crow gets on birds? He starts raising cane, right? And when a crow's by, looking at the turkey. The, right. The crow's gonna, looking at he, the turkey. How many times have you been sitting in the woods and have like a little thicket or a blowdown or in between you and your bird? The bird shuts up. Five minutes has gone by. Nothing has happened. Ten minutes has gone by. Nothing has happened. You hadn't heard anything, but you didn't notice that little thrush that come flying out of that thicket. What made it come flying out? And then 12, 14 minutes later, 15 minutes later, all of a sudden, oh, my God, where'd he come from? There he is in full strut. He's been there the whole time. Mm -hmm. So as I tell people, I see with my ears Mm -hmm. because I see more with my ears than I do with my eyes is paying attention to the squirrel barking while there's something moving through the woods and if you will pay attention as to what's going on in mother nature you will automatically step up now if you can add some of those sounds like when we used to have bob white quail that was one of my favorite things to do was to sit there and see if i can still do it now i would mix that in with my calling Mm. well Quill are trying to get back together or throw a Bob White at it. You know, the Bob White whistle. Mix it in with your turkey call. Uh, mix it in with your turkey call. Because that means there's other wildlife there yes. that's at ease. Yes. And so that he's going to think, well, there's quail over there. They're I never happy. could learn a red bird. I wanted to learn a red bird so bad it was pathetic. <laughs> I want to go a little bit deeper with you to the kind of the thing behind the thing. In, in Southern culture, it means something to be able to call with your natural voice. What would, if, if a guy walked into this camp right now and he could owl call like a barred owl, he could gobble like a turkey with his mouth, what would, what would that say to you about his woodsmanship, his hunting prowess? I can answer that very simply and very shortly. I don't want you on my land <laughs> because that tells me that is a person who is dedicated Especially if they could do a full range of calls. That tells me that that individual is either one, a kid, Mm. or that is a seasoned outdoorsman. Like I said, stay off my land. I don't want somebody like that in there. (laughs) (laughs) So the barred owl in Mississippi culture. Yes. Where would Preston Pittman owl hoot? Not in a turkey hunting situation. Give, oh, me, an, a, give me an example oh. of why you would owl hoot in your life. Oh, I can tell you that real quick. 
instead of hooping and hollering, whatever it may be, I think probably every contest that I ever won, I did something like this right here. And then I gobble behind it. Uh, you let me get at a football game, which I don't go to a whole bunch of them because I'm in the woods hunting, then uh, I can do that single note, you know, like that. Hoo-ah! Instead yeah. of hollering and screaming, and it's 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 my happy holler yeah. is what it breaks down to. You know, I'm happy. Yeah. Uh, or I'm rooting for somebody. Why do you think we do that? Because I do the same thing. thing. It's a southern thing. <laughs> I mean, you gotta eat grits. You know what I mean? <laughs> Don't eat no oatmeal or cream of wheat junk. It's a grits thing. Is what it is. Uh, it's just a. It's a southern thing. Preston, I'm a. I think. For a southern, well, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna set you up for something to judge me, okay? Okay. My my assessment of myself, I think I am a average southern owl hooter. Okay. Do you want me to judge you being in a contest, or do you want me to judge you as a hunter? Judge me as a hunter, okay, and then give me the critique of a of a of a contest. But I want I'm gonna owl hoot, and I want you to give me just your honest assessment, okay. and I want you to coach me because let me tell you something. I'm going to turn my back to I, I take a lot of pride in my owl hooting, and I use it all the time. I mean, I, I use it Are as a Are we still going to be friends whenever you leave here? No, no. I want okay. the truth, man. That's my sequence. You are a very effective owl hooter, probably a little better than average. Okay. Uh, from a competitive standpoint, get off the stage. Uh, okay. You ain't going to hold a candle. Okay. That's being real honest with you. And also, too, if I had to coach you right now from a hunting purely perspective. Yes. There are so many times when you go into all the different notes that an owl makes. Yes. He's done gobbled once or twice and you ain't heard him. There you go. So you need a short like, oh, 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 oh. Or even just a hoo Preston, you've made a lifestyle, a career, and you've dedicated yourself and your personal passion towards not just turkey hunting, but turkey calling. What does turkey hunting mean to Preston Pittman? It's my life. I don't know any other real way to, 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 to put it, but it is, uh, it's a gift that God Almighty gave me who, uh, blessed a barely high school educated person that dreamed of being a game warden so I could be out in the outdoors all the time, which, oh, Lord God, mm. it's, it's, it's giving me a dream come true. It's basically what it has. And at 67, I have not lost that passion. Have you, have you ever thought about why? I mean, like you think about a human and what we're here on earth to do, why we're here. Why is turkey hunting so special to you? Remember this. I enjoy all of the outdoors, but there's something about that time of year. It's about sitting there and seeing the beautiful dogwoods come into full bloom. It's about the first buttercups, you know, start to pop up. It's about seeing life come back to the dead woods again. It's about being mesmerized by a spider. It's something about that time of year. It's like 
everything's going to be okay. The winter's over with. It's not cold. And there's life in everything mm. again. You know, what I, what I hear when I hear you talk like this and describe nature in these ways is I hear somebody that's really paying attention and is perceptive and aware and cognizant of detail. And I think that as hunters, we are, we are in a situation where we are trying to fool a part of nature. And so we're having to embed ourselves inside of a system that we're usually not in. You're paying attention to all this stuff. And I think that's a quality that is lost inside of much of modern society because technology, different things, the modern world has taken away our need for that type of awareness. And so just as I hear you describe that, I take it as a personal challenge to be more aware and be more in tune with what's going on around because that just provides this rich palette for what I see inside of you is a man that's passionate, loves what he's doing, appreciative of what he's doing. And that doesn't come by accident. That's real intentional. You know? A human's ability to mimic the wide array of animal sounds is a special part of human uniqueness, and it's embedded itself into our culture. In the South especially, there is cultural value placed on realism and even higher social status assigned to the people who are proficient at it. A good owl hoot is a reflection of confidence, practice, and natural talent, and carries with it a strong correlation of being a proficient woodsman. It's really unique when you think about it, but we have incorporated or maybe even hijacked the language of the barred owl to communicate with other humans a very high level of meaning. That nine-note sequence would take a whole lot of human words to describe what it means. I wonder where else in our lives we do this. Humans are constantly looking for shortcuts in communication to tell others who we are. Much of the time, these messages are our calling card for deeper human relationships, even an owl hoot. These social science questions are highly interesting to me, and they make me more aware of myself and why I do what I do. When I hear somebody owl hoot, I feel a deep connection to them, and I suspect that that's an ancient social mechanism, and I like it. Ever need something for your home but don't have the cash or credit to pay for it? You can do that at Aaron's. Yep, you can rent to own appliances like washers, dryers, refrigerators, furniture for your living room or bedroom, even tech. Plus, Aaron's has great brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. Life's always changing. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. So check out your nearest Aaron's store or visit Aaron's.com to see what I'm talking about. Approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply. See your local store for details. Here's a simple but meaningful gift idea for your mom or grandparent who lives across the country. A digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pictures of all the things that they can't be there for, from family vacation to their grandkids' graduation. My parents are always asking for sports photos of my son who plays basketball. 
that a lot of the games, they aren't able to make it. It comes with unlimited storage and simple controls on the frame, so you can upload as many photos as you want, and mom can pick the perfect one. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, The Strategist, and Wired. I have an Aura frame, and so does Juju, my mom, and they love it. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BEAR. That's A-U-R-A, frames.com, promo code BEAR. Terms and conditions apply.